The record button has been pressed, so it is time for... Joel's Finding the Flow. Like, real philosophical sort of discussions. You know when people get high? <laughs> it's pure Joel. Don't count your fans before they hit. But <laughs> hit a flow in the um, I think I'm open. I mean, your I'm in my mind with. I think I'm gonna hit. Finding the flow with Joel Franklin. All right, all right. We have Ian Clifton in studio today, um, and he is here for the intro time because when I have. Um, when I do interviews with members, half of them don't understand what I'm doing because, you know, I got I put a microphone in their face and they get that, but they don't get um, that I could possibly have like a little, I don't know, radio show type thing. Uh, I mean, I call it a podcast because that's what it is, but then they are completely in the dark. So so I skipped the intro and I just, um, just let the, um, you know, just go right to the interview. But um, in this particular time, I don't have to. So say hi, Ian. Hello, everyone. <laughs> uh, Ian is, um, how old are you? I am 25. Ian is 25. He is uh, one of the younger people here. One of the younger people here that is not like a intern or someone that is kind of forced to be here. I don't, I don't know if you want to say it. Um, which, you know, it'll be interesting to talk about in itself. Uh, Ian is a fan of fantasy and games and, and whatnot, you know, right up my alley. And I, I think we, um, you know, are, are a little bit both on, I, I think, the spectrum, if you want to call it. I mean, I, I speak for myself, of course, but I, I would probably say, you know, we, we have a little, like, thing there. I think it's, uh, I think nerd-ish equals, you know, autistic spectrum in my mind you know I, i'm not I, sure yeah i i'm not sure myself either but I, I i like i've talked about it in the past my dad i he is a self-diagnosed um asperger's hmm. and uh so self-diagnosed means nothing right but it's interesting and i think that some of us think that um, maybe we don't have autism but we had an autistic dad so it's kind of like we learned our ropes from him. Um, so uh, I guess that's that's about it with the intro. You know, I mean, um, it's just it's just fun to talk about stuff. I mean, I got a lot of stuff going on with me, but I'll, I'll get onto that in the next few things. Because right now I am doing a podcast marathon. I am recording as many interviews as I can right now, um, and I am going to edit them and post them whenever I can. All right. So, Ian, what are we going to dive into? You're 25 years old. Right. So, you're actually, I have, a, I have a nephew, Ian, and he is, I think, about exactly the same age. He's, he was born in 1990. Yes. Uh, what, what age? Jan- January 1990 or 91. It might have been 91. Okay, so then he's a few months older than I am. Yeah few months older than you and and it's just weird it, it um it almost feels like you fit right into the role uh of my nephew <laughs> uh, it's like but, working with family yeah it's like working with family i mean he is really into all that that stuff too um and he has a uh fu manchu as well <laughs> so um 
so 25 years old, born in the 90s. I mean, it means that you were like 10 years old when like, you know, um, Game Boy, what, what was like the system platform when you were 10? I remember Game Boy being a thing. Yeah, I, 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 well, I don't know why I said Game Boy. I was thinking more like, um, it was the oh, Cube, um, uh, GameCube. I don't remember much about the GameCube, but I remember the PlayStation, PlayStations. PlayStation 2 at that point? Probably. Yeah. I so, don't remember the Xbox. Now, so did you have these systems? I did not. Uh, I would always go to my friends to... Uh, play the games. Play the games, yeah. yeah. And so um, the PlayStation... I mean, I'm just saying, like, you were... The, the generation, as that goes, you know, it's... Um, it, you, you've never hardly have known a time except for in a retro way of bad graphics. <laughs> not necessarily. The graphics I mean, in games are actually quite as diverse as the games themselves these days. Yeah, for true. example, there's Minecraft, which I don't play, but I understand is quite popular <laughs> with PC or, or PlayStation 1 graphics. Yeah, yeah, PlayStation 1, if not... I guess, yeah, that's right. It's basically like 3D with a real low uh, resolution. Exactly. Yeah. You know, like triangles and stuff. I, I remember that. Like, like um, everyone was like, Final Fantasy VII, oh my God, it looks so real, you know? And, uh, and it's just like triangles and stuff, you know? Um, so, still, you know, you, I, I know that's relative, but the, I guess the cap you know, on, on graphics has always been relatively high. Though I guess I wouldn't say that you necessarily would be like completely uh, like out of the loop of, I mean, because there's modern things that are made with crappy graphics as well. Mm-hmm. Um, like I'm thinking of apps too. Apps are like kind of like the step, how, how, how much can you make with as little memory as possible, right? I mean, that's what I feel like apps are. I haven't dived into the app building business, but I think you're right that memory and is a huge processing issue. usage is a big issue. Yeah, because I mean they they basically I mean, but some of those games are pretty pretty freaking not good, you know. I mean, some of them are PlayStation Two level, if mm-hmm. not more, you know. I mean, it, I'm surprised how how good the graphics are. I mean, on these, I I don't know what the processing power on an iPhone or a, or smartphone is it's more than nasa had when they sent the people <laughs> when they put the people on the moon the, on the moon yeah, what do you think about that moon business i mean it's that's a little weird it's all happened before your time i mean like what what's the deal you know we we um we went there we probably spent like half of the u.s budget to do it but now we just can't muster together a chance to do it again i think it was definitely worthwhile to go there yeah and I think it happened. I'm not, I'm not a conspiracy theory person I, I at all. I want to see the moon in HD. You know, <laughs> <laughs> look through a really big telescope. <laughs> yeah, I guess, I guess there is that element. Um, so you, where do you come from? I was born in San Diego, California. San Diego, California. Now you don't look like a San Diegan. That's because I've lived on the East Coast since I was ten. Since you were ten, the time that PlayStation Two was out. Um, so, uh, 2000. So that means that you moved right when, uh, September 11th happened. Just about. Yeah. Yeah. Where, where did you go in the East coast? First, I went to Rhode Island Rhode and Island. attended a Waldorf school there. I'd been to Waldorf schools throughout my education, but various different Waldorf schools as I 
moved around the country. Mm-hmm. Did you have a good experience? Yes, very much so. Um, so, so you, you started, uh, so you went through, yeah, um, and what was your parents' job during that time? My mother works as a massage therapist and as a home health aide. Oh, nice. And my father works as a, as a consulting computer programmer. It's consulting computer programmer. Okay, and uh, that that's cool. So, so did you, I mean, have you followed in a suit at all, or, or did you ever get interest? Because you said yourself that you you'd want to build apps, but you never done it. Like, that seems right on, under that. Yeah, envelope. so uh, I have never really followed my father's footsteps in mm-hmm. computer programming. Yeah. The closest I've gotten is building um, one or two modifications for myself for the game Skyrim. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's not that hard. I mean, did you build your own? Yes. I like, used... you changed some properties? Yes. Of what? I created a new NPC in the game. What, what's that, a character? Yeah, a new, a, a, a new non-player character. So yeah. a new game-generated character and, yeah, yeah. Uh, as, sort of, as a follower. Yeah. Um, That's cool. I also used the creation kit, which is the, the tool you use to create modifications for this game. To okay, so, so like the programmers make those, you know? Yes. Yeah. yeah. To edit certain game values and actually fix some bugs in other modifications that I like to use. Mm-hmm. That is fun to play around. I um I remember the days. Well, maybe you don't. Do you have you ever um seen the Game Genies? No. <laughs> there was these like um these little like like most of the things were cartridges back in the day, and uh, they would have this pre cartridge or this like um the cartridge. Uh, like a, a de- amendment like you would put in that and then there would be a little cartridge slot and you put the the regular cartridge in it and all of a sudden you have the power to do cheats and stuff it was kind of a cool you know weird weird way to do it you know but that was the the best you could do back in those days probably i mean i, I mean a computer game maybe but uh th- that was like a for like nintendo and stuff I remember cheat codes, but I don't remember a double cartridge. Yeah, that's yeah, pretty cool. That, that was always the Game Genie thing, that they had a, a cartridge they gave you. Um, so um, you went to Waldorf schools. So I find that, you know, sometimes that's interesting. Like, how does, how does um, uh, anthroposophy, like, um, bleed into the Waldorf education? It happens entirely in the background. Yeah, right. So it's the never kids are, are relatively oblivious of it. Right. You don't you don't ever learn about Steiner or Anthroposophy unless you start asking questions. Yeah. And and, and the teachers though, of course, are following what they can. They try, yes. <laughs> I think it happened most in my history and particularly art classes where a lot of Steiner's ideas about history and music and art appear in sort of subtle ways. Not not necessarily forced on us, but mm-hmm. the teacher will mention about, uh, and especially in rhythm, of course. Yeah, oh, yeah. But, um... Like, they'll, they'll mention something in the way of the history of something. Like, like for instance, um... There's a big emphasis on uh, um, Aristotle's laws, you know, and the, the elements, and the earth, air, fire, water, right, and stuff like that. And um, 
and then there's the senses. There's like um, not five, but twelve senses, which I'm I'm not opposed to that. I mean, I think that's that's uh, it's true. I mean, we don't just have the five, whatever you call it, classic senses. You know, I mean, even just the sense of balance is is something, but the the sense of uh, sense of self, you know, sense of um, there's lots of lots of things that, but he he goes into twelve of them, and I can't remember all of them. I remember, like some sometimes I just think like, man, you know, the the numbers are just too perfect to be true, you know, or the seven year cycles, seven seven seven. Ooh, I love that number seven. But well, I we never learned about that specifically. The example I had in my mind as I was saying what I did was, I remember being in a music class. And the teacher was talking about how when you hear music, it awakens something in your in yourself. And it was he was sort of trying to connect music to a soul experience, yeah, without being overt about oh, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Things like that. I got gotcha. you. Um, I mean, it's uh, so so there. Like what? How how was your uh, social life, and how was your um, how was it with people, and how you know? My social life has been largely shaped by moving around a lot. Yeah. So I had some good friends in California, but each time I move, I tend to lose contact with the people. Did you move to different places in San Diego? Yes, but they were all in the same general area, so that did not affect, affect things too so, much. So it was pretty steady up to ten. Yes. And then New Hampshire, it just... Uh, Rhode Island. Rhode Island. Right. Oh, yeah. Rhode so Island, then once, once in Rhode Island, I basically didn't have much contact with people in San Diego anymore. And then once I spent four years in Rhode Island from basically middle school. And then once I moved to New York, uh, specifically the Harlemville area and Hawthorne Valley... I didn't have much contact with the people in Rhode Island. All right, so so little by little, you, you lost people. Um, you also find them, and and uh, um, but it's always they've always come and gone. I mean, you always go to a new place and find more friends, right? Exactly. Do you do you find that the the Waldorf school was more uh, you know honed to like your sensibilities and being able to be a sensitive and 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 the the person you are while also be having an environment where you can feel comfortable and have like friends that are you know just like that too. <laughs> mm-hmm. I guess, right? Do you find that that was more like that, or do you think that public school would have been just the same? In many ways, Waldorf School helped with participating in activities that helped me bring or helped me feel closer to people socially. Yeah. Such as arts or um, extracurricular activities that I might not have had the opportunity to participate in in a public school. However, there is also a tremendous prejudice, not prejudice, but bias against any sort of electronic or gaming activity in Waldorf schools. And so I found it difficult to engage with others socially in that sense. Now, did you find that it was coming from the teachers or did you find that it was actually coming from the students too? Not the students, but the teachers and the parents. Yeah, so it's 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 pretty. Um, what do you call it? Uh, isolating. I mean, because like it's obvious that you know, like you're not gonna stop that 
and and there's not really a reason to, you know. I mean, everything is attractive, addictive, fun, you know, and it's just a matter of how deep you go and how much time you do it, right? And so so really I find that, you know, if you have a healthy balance, like you can do whatever you want that's that's within reason, you know. And uh, and I find that the policy at you know at most of these Walder schools, including Green Meadow, where they have a no electronic policy, I I find that that's that's um, it's it's going kind of against the stream, and you know which some people might might think is a good thing, but really you know when you when you're putting your kid in a position where they kind of have this. Um, it's not dogma, but a, a, a taboo on things that they feel are not that, you know, bad or that they see the quote-unquote normal or, or public school kids using them, you know, and um, and then they feel like, you know, they're either bad when they do it, they have to sneak when they do it, or that, uh, that, it, that they don't do it, but they're so attracted to it because they can't do it. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, there's this all that it's all going to end up not serving the purpose you want it to do. If anything, go in the other direction. I'm not sure. Well, I'm actually OK with a ban on electronics. I can definitely recognize the benefits to limiting contact with electronics, specifically at younger ages. Mm-hmm. And I think that it would benefit Waldorf teachers and educators to explore more of more other aspects of of the online world and the gaming world to see what it could yeah. help with like yeah, what sure. what what is what is beyond it's, this circle it's, of things it's nothing it's 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 definitely not just fluff and cr- you know crack or whatever it's not exactly just, it's not just a bad thing um and uh uh what else? I, so, so for me, for the youth, I, I kind of agree, and that's why I feel like I, you know, what I do with my kids, I as I, I have them uh, watch at like the, the, um, like the level of like one a week, you know, on their day off, we watch an hour of something, and so um, basically, what I'm wanting to do with them is first make them feel like comfortable with it, you know, because they're they see it you know they don't i mean they see it when they're around their cousins they see it, you know I, so one i want them to be comfortable with it and two i just want like them to enjoy the little mermaid when they're at the right age to enjoy the little mermaid mm-hmm. i mean there's a little bit of an element of like just the fact they're gonna miss these sort of special experiences that one, my wife has experienced because she she never had any media limits, but yet she thinks that she could do it to the kids, and and uh, you know I just I just feel like it's 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 one of those things that's like you know it's not cut and dry. What I'd encourage actually is to participate in uh, gaming or television watching or anything else with your kids, yeah. so that it doesn't become uh, an isolating experience. Or it doesn't encourage isolation when it does happen. 
Yeah, exactly. So instead of like leaving your kid to play a game when they're older, hopefully for a long period of yeah, time, yeah, yeah. you would actually limit it to when when it's a social event. Yep. Yeah. No, that's great. And so, like I said, a limit. I mean, it's um, one one time a week, you know, or whatever is nothing. I mean, that's exactly the sort of limit I'm talking about. It's like, it's really just feels like, you know, they're, they're getting just enough exposure, but having plenty of time to do the things that imagination lets them do. And just like stories and just like, like um, uh, other pictures and stuff like that, they will influence someone's imagination. But, not as near, I mean, just as much as your parents' vision of the world and just as much as stories do. Yeah. Everything affects someone's vision. It's not all like, like, like they think, like, it feels like there's some, this idea that you can like, you know, control the, uh, um, like what is going to influence their thought in some way, you know, but really there, there is, nothing wrong with a little bit of a taste of someone else's imagination through media that which then will become something that could um, be a scaffolding for you to create your own creativity. Exactly. Yeah. So now you are 25 years old. So you have uh, since long graduated from high school. Yes. Um, so, what have you been doing? Well, after graduating high school, I started attending um, a community college, and I was going to... Which one? Uh, Columbia Green Community College. Okay. That's like Albany area. South of that. Columbia and Green County. Right. So, it's, it's right on the border of Columbia and Green County. It's yep. maybe 45 minutes south of Albany. Yeah, yeah. I, it's a great school. I was studying to become a math teacher. Uh-huh. And after spending some time there, I transitioned into SUNY New Paltz because there was a program that allowed me to go directly from Columbia Green to SUNY New Paltz. Yeah, all the transfer. Right. So, so you kept going? Yes, but I didn't finish. I didn't ever finish my schooling. I ended up becoming very anxious and isolated at SUNY New Paltz and... Uh, wasn't able to complete my education. Yeah, so so was um, SUNY New Paltz like your, well, I guess both of them would be, but I mean, was that a big like public experience, public, uh, what do you call it, general public? Yes, I actually found I was well suited to that experience. Yeah. I'm not sure if it's just because of who I am or because of my Waldorf education, but I found myself very well prepared for any what, sort of... What you, you had. Yeah come to you socially or f academically both all right but um so what made you isolated um i was i mean i i understand it i mean i i college can be isolating especially when you have a shitty roommate and you're stuck mm -hmm. in this little cubicle well it goes back a long ways but it really came out in college so from a very young age um i had developed a habit of lying to other people <laughs> and this was a this was this got to the point by the time i was in college that it happened automatically so you could ask me what i had for breakfast and if i didn't eat or i th i had something unhealthy uh -huh. or i thought it was something that you would feel think yeah, badly yeah, yeah, of yeah. in some way i would just lie to you 
Yeah, sure. I mean, that, that's not too out of the norm. But I would do that about everything. <laughs> and it was also something that I would do automatically. So it was difficult to stop that reflex. Yeah. Um, is it because you were, did you feel shame or is it just a reflex? Uh, yeah, shame and afraid. Yeah. Like, like um, what was making you feel, like, did you feel like what you were doing was n- not normal? Not necessarily not normal because I have this feeling of people watching or people with this eye of judgment. It, more the second thing. I had the sense I I wasn't sure what people would think of me or whether they would accept me or. Mm-hmm. Uh, it sounds yeah. like but, actually, uh, but I did have hyper this neur- neuroticism. I'm not sure what that means. Uh, you know how there's this um, classic Jewish neurotic um, comedian. Like, uh, that's like a thing. Like, they're like, well, I don't know what they were thinking of me. I mean, I was, I was just doing that and I, and everybody was looking at me and I got scared and, you know, like they're just constantly looping in their heads things about themselves that they're worried that other people are thinking, um, which they call neurotic. That's true. It wouldn't, but I wouldn't have the experience. Like there's hyper and then there's normal. True. But so... Like when I lied to you, yeah. I wouldn't have that play. I wouldn't have that tape going in my head necessarily. You, 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 it wasn't. It was ne- like half and half. It was like half reflex and half shame. Maybe I'm not sure if. I mean, it was definitely both. Mm-hmm. But it's not necessarily half and half. And lots of fear. It might have been other things. Right. It, three, three, three. I mean, dividing it in like half and half yeah. isn't the right way to look at it because it all works together. Yeah. Okay. So, so you have like a, a interwoven like series of, of, of a, a constant feedback loop where you were constantly like having the, the uh, setup and then you do the same thing. Right. And I'd also feel bad about lying to people, of course. Yeah. So once again, it's... Um, what do you call it? Uh, when building upon itself, uh, it was a snowball, but also a vicious cycle. A vicious cycle. That's right. A feedback loop. They call that feedback loops. I think I believe um, where where you you know basically have the programming that puts you in a cycle over and over and over. Again. <clears throat> so basically, you know, in counseling, we try to like see how can we, you know. What's the factor that'll cut that loop and make you go another direction? Exactly. Better or worse, you know, sometimes. Um, So how did that manifest itself? It basically manifested itself in isolation? Or you're saying that this is like the groundwork to what happened in college? Yeah. So it started earlier. It started much earlier. And I think it's also a part of why I never... moved around a lot? Yeah, I never kept in contact with any of the other people I knew. So you were constantly meeting new people and right. having to kind of try to be a, a new person every time you're with new people. Mm. Or I don't know, new person. But I mean, I, I know, I for instance, I, I had the experience of moving quite a bit, but only once did I move from one high school to another, which was lucky in my case because my siblings had a lot more than me. And uh, so when I did... It's not that I necessarily was not myself, but you have a history with these old people you know, right? Right. You go on to the new place, and you kind of want to 
keep some things, erase a few others. Oh, definitely, know? yes. Yeah, and so um, part of that could be, you know, a vicious cycle of of uh, trying to hide things when you, especially when you're with new people. I think so. However, even as young as maybe, like when I moved from to to Hawthorne Valley for high school, I already had the sense that I am myself wherever I go. And yeah. that the same things tend to happen wherever I go. Mm. So, well, you know, I mean, maybe that that's lacking the the outside eye. Who knows? I mean, because because you might have um, you might have have that sense, but then you don't necessarily know why it keeps happening or whatever. Well, in my mind, it was uh, it keeps happening because I haven't changed from one location to the next. I still do the same things and yeah, say the same I- things. Ironically, that's that that's true. You, you not changing this, this, uh, you know, this person that's kind of not stable or in a sense, like not necessarily not stable, but a person that's like not, not who you think they are, I guess. Well, that person being me. Yeah. That person being you. (laughs) So, um, so either way, I mean, you know, so, so it manifested itself in college. What, right. So, so um, basically, did it, did it, you have a comeuppance? Did people like, you're lying? You know, did you have some scary moments where people actually caught up with what you, or you just never, never got to know anyone? I had a girlfriend in college. We used to work oh. together for two years. Uh-huh. And did you lie to her? Yes, I did. And not? Yes. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, we all lie, but sometimes, like you mm-hmm. said, it sounds like a little more... But what really broke us apart um, was not the fact that I had been lying before, but that it was such an ingrained habit in me that I couldn't stop even when we tried to work it out. Yeah. I mean, she, of course, girlfriends, they they will figure it out. <laughs> Eventually. You might get away with your friends, but... Uh, Two you, years is a long time. Yeah, you're not going to get but, away uh, with... But, yeah, so it, it was... It was that I couldn't stop lying to her, and I wanted to stop lying to her, and I knew it was happening, and I, yeah. of course, very cared still, very deeply about her. It's still a classic scenario, I mean, that you, what you're saying. I mean, I, you have the, the Ian twist that where it might be a little more extreme, a little bit more constant, but all in all, there is, there is like a, a classic archetypal lie gone, gone too far scenario, you know, um, hmm. where where you start a seed of lies and then it just can't stop because you can't, you know, you can't remember when the last thing was, you know, or you have to keep up with the lie, you know? Yeah, well, it wasn't... But yours were, it sounds like yours were always new and fresh. Yeah, they were always new and fresh. I was, I mean, but I don't want to give the sense that I was continuing to choose to lie to her. It would just happen. It was an un... It was a right, and it wouldn't. Yeah, it was. It would. It's, I I understand. It. I mean, I I I don't I don't. I, what I, I I guess I understand the scenario of the fact that you you really had this sense, this uh, feeling of you could not st- uh, help yourself. Exactly. You could not stop doing it, and and but yet you were a well intentioned and nice guy. Yeah, which I also we all know that. So um so. So now, that's another piece. You had a girlfriend. You had mm-hmm. school. You had the lying. She figured it out. Okay, two years. She probably dumped you. Then you got real, real sad. 
mm, I was already so what yeah so what happens when you are lying to people is if you get you you it, you can be very isolated even around the people who you consider your friends and your sure. your girlfriends and so and be- your boyfriends because yeah because because no one really knows, knows who you. you right yeah. and so Only you know you right and sometimes you're ashamed or not of who you think you are or whatever right and also it makes it very difficult to receive any sort of care from other people because yeah they're not really they're they caring for it. your image yeah, that you've caring. given them yeah. and not you yeah i mean some people call that a facade you know yeah but, it's the right uh, word but uh i would say you know it's a facade can go to some extremes and you have close people and closer and closer people you know but i mean i mean you know we we um what is it the life is a stage and we are all but merely players um so so basically um so you so so did it happen right after the breakup? You mean dropping out of college? I was already doing extremely poorly in college at the time. Okay, so one of the things the I was grade, lying the about. The grades were going bad, right? To your, because you lying to your parents or your your wife? Oh, your I was lying to everyone. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> I got four rows everywhere. I, you've got to be smart about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I, I got a three point three. No, or two point seven. I don't exactly. know. Exactly. Yeah. Now I'm passing. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I was already, I mean, I felt anxious, I felt sad, I felt sure. uh, all kinds of things that were... Were you were you going to class? Not all the time. What happens is when, for me, when I missed a class, mm-hmm. um, I'd be extremely afraid of going back. Yeah, and then, it, then you... And then it was missing. another vicious cycle. Mm-hmm. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Shame, shame. I mean, I say shame as in your own shame, not shame on you. Exactly, I, I figured so. Um, so in yeah, so okay, that that makes sense too, and that probably also hurt you because it probably doesn't fit your image, right? Because you felt like I am smart, I can do this, and and uh, and that hurts that you didn't have the best grades. Yes, uh, in high school, I'd always done well in school, and so as a sense of I lost something of a sense of who I am mm-hmm. in terms of like what I think of myself. Well, I think that's also the thing is that the Waldorf schools help um, nurture an ego, you know, nurture an individual. Um, whereas I think the big public colleges, I mean, it's not like they, they're not trying, to, but it's just like they're not there to give you an ego. You know, they're not there to 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 help you in any way. You know, you got to do it all on your own. And uh, and so that's that's a tough one. And I, I think Walder schools especially, I think, help. Like, basically, the the public school, uh, you know, this is the best way. And Irena told me this. Um, she said, the public schools are interested in getting you to listen and conform to, you know, whatever standards or whatever they have. Whereas the um, the Walder schools are are trying to get you to you know be you and to to speak and to hmm. whatnot, um, which I, I think is is great you know the the uh, you know nurture the ego, but I I think that I mean it makes sense to me that that you would you would do 
Well, I mean, that, but it's also another classic scenario. A lot of people do good in high school and then not have a, have a hard time in college, and it's not because of their academics. It's because just plain old because it is tough to pick up your own bootstraps in college. And, you know, because, like you said, you might mix a class, um, and then instead of feeling like you have this teacher that's like um, – you know, gonna gonna help you and like you know like catch you up and everything. You are have these you know a professor that that'll look at you and you know, and uh, not think twice. Or if it's an intimate thing, then like you said, you might feel real guilty that you didn't come to the one before. You know, hmm. um, my my experience of my professors in college varied a lot. And it's actually just as varied as my experience of teachers in Waldorf schools. Yeah, some some are good, some are bad. Exactly. Yeah, I, that's true. That's how it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that I, I I get that, but it's still ultimately there is those two focuses, and I find that hopefully that that you know the Waldorf schools, if anything, they excel in trying to get people to be individuals. Mm-hmm. I would hope. I don't know. Is that was that your experience? I think so. Yeah. Do you find that there's actually a level of like, depending on the teacher, they like to conform you to? Waldorf or no? I. Probably. I've never. So. I don't think I've experienced necessarily an impulse to conform anywhere. Mm -hmm. Conform. Yeah. A college, public college, or Waldorf High School. Just conforming to what the what the teachers say. Um, you mean? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, like the public school, like conforming to to to. Yeah. So 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 you're saying you are the individual that I am saying the the Waldorf school nurtures. Yes, but I also have not experienced other people. Well. I, I haven't experienced the ca- a counter impulse to that in public education, yeah. at least in college. Yeah, and I'm not necessarily saying that myself. I went to public school, and I think I'm quite the individual myself. But that's that's what Irena said, and it sounded good to me. I, I think there there is an element of that, like, um, but I don't I don't know how much it actually affects because people the kids become individuals regardless of how much people try. Exactly. You know, you can whip them as much as you want, and eventually they'll they'll the hand um <clears throat> okay so so um so that was that was probably tough how many years did you get into college three uh four years but i didn't go to um i was it four years uh, i didn't go uh i didn't take and as enough classes to graduate it, despite going four years, yeah, either yeah, withdrawing yeah. or or not, not, pa- not, not or not passing or not signing up yeah. for as many so, classes. So basically, you you got close. I th- you, I'd have you to look at it again. Able to been a super senior and done it. I don't think so. No. No, you still wouldn't need two I'd more still years. Need, probably, yeah. Okay. All right. So you really, really had a lot of of uh, of um, baggage to to clean. Definitely. At the school. Okay. So, so, um, uh, like in other words, you passed two years of classes in four. I'd have to look it up again. But to, more or less. Two, two and a half. Yeah, yeah. Okay. 
So what happened after you are 22, 23? Right. Uh, I spent a long time basically completely isolated. So I was... Uh, isolated again. Uh, yeah. so, so you left the isolated place, went home. No, 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 no. There's no, there's no going home here. I was... Home. I lived off campus at the time. Where is your home? Where is... It's not in Harlemville anymore? I mean, there uh, wasn't a parent there. The question of where is my home is a complicated question, okay. but... Uh, but does that, that have to do with your parents? Have I you mean, at burnt, the time... burn some bridges? No, not necessarily. So, I mean, I don't want to get too personal here, but, but I mean, you seem to be comfortable enough. Right. I mean, as long so, as you're comfortable with it being recorded. Yeah, we're good. Okay. I've, not, um, I've actually made a YouTube video of all of this and okay. posted it already. Wonderful. So, at the your time, parents. my parents lived in, in uh, the Hawthorne Valley, Harlemville area. When you were in high school. When I was high school and when I was in college. Okay. I lived off campus in uh, at your parents' house. No, in a small town called Rifton. Oh, okay. At New Paltz. Okay. And oh, well, when you were in New Paltz. Right. And I continued living there for mm, several more months. How did you afford this? Uh my my parents were paying for the rent. Yeah. I also had um a little bit of money from a job I had. Mm-hmm. And I also learned how to live very cheaply. Sure, getting the one dollar burritos every day. No, you don't buy burritos. You buy uh, you buy a big fifty pound bag of rice. Uh-huh. You buy uh, for well, you buy. So I mean, my my I mostly my my staple was rice, and that's incredibly cheap. Well, yeah, sure. Yeah, you also learn how to make lentils and rice, and you actually bake your own stuff, so my, you don't have to example, buy bread. I, I would go to Save a Lot, you know, it's just like a, a discount um, grocery store, and I would I would buy an eight pack of burritos for for um, six or no, it was like four dollars. It was four dollars for an eight pack, so fifty cents a burrito, and I would eat one to two a meal. And so, you know, it was like, it was like $1 meals. But so, yeah, it was very unhealthy, though. It was like the most unhealthy. I mean, like, I think I gained 30 pounds. No, it, I managed to, so I once heard Rice of, is not that bad. Unless, I mean, white rice isn't that great, but it's it's still okay. There was a very, uh, I, 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 I remember learning something where it's that when it comes to food, yeah. you can do, you can pick two. Healthy between, you can pick two of healthy, fast, and cheap. Yeah, sure. So if you do healthy and cheap, but you make your own stuff, yeah. you can still manage it. And that's what I did because suddenly yep. I had a lot of time. Yep. I mean, yeah, uh, I, you know, um, I tend to go for, I don't necessarily fast, but sometimes fast, but I, I go for cheap. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm I'm really different now. I mean, my because my wife has so now long been doing um, expensive and long, <laughs> right? Uh, that I've just gotten used to expensive and long. But now, now I've gotten used to also expensive, healthy, and fast. Right, because it's not cheap. Because it's not cheap. <laughs> um, but but it's not it's not good I, or at least not good to, in my mind I mean I just feel like oh my god I've just fucking spent like 15 bucks on on, on like a snack <laughs> right um, yeah. in terms of my situation uh, after 
so so while I was still living in that small town near New Paltz, I was basically cut off from everyone for a couple months. I mean, I didn't tell my, my choice in your own sort of in your own house and and I was in the I was in an I was housemates with several other people. Yeah. So it was a larger house, but there were several other college students there. you had there. your own closed-door room. Exactly. No other roommates. Right. You had a computer. Right. You had games. That's right. Yeah. And it was really an escape for me, the games at the time. But it also was what allowed me to emerge from the situation because through the social element online, I was able to uh, talk to my friends at the time and be open and honest with them about my situation and it was that experience of being able to be open and having it work out that allowed me to open up to the rest of my of my friends and yeah. and so, family so basically the the computer well was that in person though with your friends and family yes so you did manage to bridge the gap of the the face-to-face element yes because that's not that's the hardest part, mm-hmm. you know. Um, they were talking about uh, uh, telephone calls now, like um, you know, basically now everybody texts. But back in the day, you know, when you were like trying to get the number of a girl or like you know to call a girl, right? Right. You had to call and you had to listen to the ring and you had to sit there and wait for her to answer. And if she didn't answer, nothing happened. But if she answered, you know, she says, hello, you just like have to like say something, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, <laughs> and just like the, the, the anxiety of that phone call. And, um, and nowadays you just say, you know, on a text, Hey, uh, <laughs> I like you. You want to, you, you want to do something tonight? You know, you can, but it's not very classy. I would recommend, even it, with the anxiety, always doing those sorts of things face to face. It's not classy, but sometimes, a lot of times, the girls like it, anyways, or the girls feel more comfortable, anyways. You know, I mean, not that I'm doing that at all, but but uh, I I find that it's um, usually with my case. You know, I didn't pick up social signals. I don't. Know, did you pick? Do you pick up social signals well? I think so. I I don't know if I would pick up on the like. For instance, I would never know if a girl likes me or not. Like, like I was like, like the hardest thing for me, like basically a girl, like I'm, I'm start, I started to learn that, but I still don't know, um, that girls will only act friendly with you if they like you most of the time. If they don't, then there's this element of like this real guarded thing that they do. And so I found that like it was weird that like some girls they would just act friendly like just plain old just talk to me right mm-hmm. and I would just interpret that as they're just being friendly right but then then all of a sudden you know like like they're like oh no I, I was you know like uh, and I'm I'm like I don't get that you know I don't get that at all you know like you're just you're just coming like and then like some people will say like what flirting is. And I, I don't I don't get that either, you know. You might be hanging around around the wrong girls. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, well, at least in high school, I can see how that's the case. However, once in college, girls are people. I mean, well, sure. <laughs> they tend to be. I mean, yeah. It's you, done. Meaning, like they can be anybody, not just uh, a girlfriend or not a girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're they're. I mean, I I, I understand that, but. College was worse for me. Really? Yeah, it was nonstop. 
like like actually it was what the thing was it was, it was actually it's a it's a vicious thing where the girls that I was attracted to I was like completely nervous and also I they always acted so so like cold or whatever and then uh, the girls that I wasn't necessarily attracted to but but like you know liked and you know I just was was not in that way uh, were constantly like like playing these weird games of like um, you know is this a date or not a date or is this a blah 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 and I'm just like you know you know we're just in the same place together you know but 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 either way hmm. it's just just basically I had to constantly be put in a position where I had to say no to these people, girls and I like I would avoid it so long to the point that we were practically holding hands walking down the hall, you know, like I would, I I'm like, no, no, you know, like, like I would just, just could not like bring myself, um, to, to, you know, turn them down. And hmm. that, that was a hard thing for me. It, and it sounds ironically tough, but, but it was actually was the thing that's weird with me is that it, um, that I was such a, ugly duckling syndrome like i was such a uh, and a rough social and and thing when i was younger that i could not imagine a girl liking me right right and so um so i did not understand that nor could i did i have the equipment to deal with it right and so so really it was it was very very tough and isolating maybe not want to go anywhere but uh, you know, eventually, eventually passed. But it, it would that that's like you know, like some people are like I wish I had your problem. You know, but trust me, if you don't if you don't like the girls, you don't. I mean, if you don't like the girls in that way, you know, I try to be be good. But I mean, some of them I didn't like also. You know, but it's still hard. You know, because they're so nice. You know? Right. And it sounds like it was hard to be difficult to be clear about, or you didn't know how to be clear about how you felt yeah i mean without feeling like i was going to hurt their feelings you mm -hmm. know i mean i don't want to hurt anyone's feelings i don't want to make anyone unhappy right all right so we're hitting 50 minutes man and we haven't gotten anywhere <laughs> uh no um so um basically you 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 dumped out of college you spent seven months living on your own isolated again right but using the computer as a scaffold to socially push outward and so that leads you probably not too far off from moving here. Right. I spent a couple. So I, so I was open with my parents, uh, yeah. my father. Where is they, where they live now? My mother lives in California, in San Diego. She never left. And my oh. father is. Okay. They separated. Yes. All right. How is that on you? It's the sort of siblings? thing. Yes, I have two half brothers. Uh, one is from your dad, from my mom. From your mom, they live down there. You're right. One is just finished. You don't finished. see him much. No, I don't. One has. You older? Yeah, I am. Yes, though one has entered the military and is currently stationed in Florida, and the other should be just finishing up high school by now. Yep. So, so half brothers, you know, kind of mm -hmm. half counts. You know, I mean, and they're brothers. If, if you didn't like spend too much time with them. Were you separated before, like, did you, you were 10, right? Were you 10 when it happened? Well, I was 
nine when my father uh, moved to the East Coast. Yeah. And... And that was when the separation happened? Well, actually, my parents had been divorced for a long time. Okay. So, so they so, were already... So your mom started having kids before you left San Diego. Yes. That's Yes. The, that's the trick. So what happened... So you had some time with them. Right. So my father... So from, like, after... Only just after my earliest memories, my parents are living separately. Yeah. And then both get married so to different not, people. So it's not exactly hard on you. It's just a little it's, bit. It's just how it always was. It's how it always was. And it's the sort of thing where you don't realize it's not normal. Yeah. But I can still see how that really changed my outlook and perspective on sure. lots of things. Yeah, I bet. Uh, I spent several more months with my father. I was looking for a job. Mm-hmm. I worked at several local restaurants. Sure. And then I was able to come to the fellowship and have spent the past year and a half here. Um, how do you how do you like the fellowship? Has it been suiting your your uh, possible like um, hole and needs? I think so. It's. I mean, I'm still myself, Double of ledger. course. Wherever you go, you're always yourself. Yep. And you of course, that you've isolated yourself here at all. It's the same pattern happening. No, because I'm not lying to people. That's good. And you, but you're with um, also all these members you take care of, and all these people. Um, how how close have you gotten anyone? Anybody you call friends, or do you just feel like you got a lot of family um, acquaintances? I've not really become close to anyone here in yeah. in. A friendly way. Uh-huh. Right. It just, do you think it takes time or do you think it's part of you? Do you think it's like, it's part of like, you know, there's a pool of people and you're eventually going to find someone? Mm, maybe, but it's also somewhat by choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, if you remember Valerie, yeah, I was, I did share a lot with her uh-huh. at because the time. She like just shared yeah, I told her about myself, a lot of the things I'm telling you now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, about the different struggles and challenges I experience yeah, here. And, and she, she, um, she was a listener. Did you did you feel comfortable talking to her? Or something? Yes. Uh, something about her? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's nice. Now she's gone. <laughs> yes, <laughs> of course. Um, it's it's interesting. Uh, now. I, I have to ask, you know, I mean, do you think that the video games has a as a an element of of isolating I think it's very easy to use them that way. Yeah. For so what ha- can happen You play mostly online games. Yes, I prefer um online social games. So so I mean not necessarily I prefer online games with a social element. So mm-hmm. specifically massively multiplayer games are my thing. Yeah. Uh, I do enjoy a good Skyrim, though. Mm. And I think that games are very absorbing. They're very engaging. And what that means is that it is very easy to use them to try to cover up a hole in your life that is painful for you. Sure. Do you find that the goals in a video game are fulfilling, or do you find that the goals are like, once you get them, you're like, eh. <laughs> Um, it depends on if they're game goals that the game presents you with or goals that you set for yourself. Mm-hmm. 
if you so recently i had the experience of i want to become good at this particular game mm-hmm. uh and i wanted to achieve a certain rating in their rating system yeah yeah and i did so and that's, that feels very fulfilling it's quite a chase sometimes though right and uh it can take a lot of your time it did it was worth it in my mind mm-hmm, yeah and so that's fulfilling uh however sort of plotting or not plotting, but completing sort of the game, the achievements the game presents you with is not not as fulfilling. You sort of you do it and it feels okay for a little bit, and then you see the next one. Yeah, to do. Yeah, that's that is the and you know that's this part of the thing. I mean that's that's kind of like um, you know I mean there there is some games with the element of an ending, but uh, less and less now. More and more, it's becoming just another level another level another something another something you can get now i'm not just going to have the regular platinum blade i'm going to have the double double edged platinum blade with the 12 inch side and the and the encrusted jewels <laughs> instead well that's that's one of, that's an example of a goal that the game presents you with yeah i, I know yeah. um okay so how how late are you spending on these games you mean like how much how 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 late do you stay up midnight midnight when do you wake up do you you, you have around to, eight to, for most jobs do sometimes you have to get up earlier no i work with my current schedule i work a lot in the evenings yeah but not in the mornings mm-hmm. i mean i mean not before eight in the morning how when do you when do you game any, um any free time you have sometimes when i have so it's it's usually either when i have a gap in the day in my schedule or after I'm done. Yep. And yeah, it, it, it yeah, depends. Sure, sure. Day is off? Yes. Whole day? No. Most of the day? Mm, I don't even say most of the day. So, um, you know, like I think I found that this that that gaming is it's it's a tough tough balance to do. But I mean, I basically my wife doesn't let me game anymore, you know. Mm-hmm. And so you know, basically, like, it's easy when you're by yourself to be able to do that. But when right. you're not, it's a little less easy, you know, because you have to spend the time eventually. But it sounds like you, you like you said, you don't spend all your time. What do you do with the rest of your time? Um, I actually spend some time talking to friends I know online because, yeah, that's nice. um, so not, not in the gaming sense, but just chatting just and chatting. talking and having fun and yeah, joking so around. It's mostly, mostly you keep in touch with your old friends and you don't have many here that you yeah, I'd, are I'd, intimate with. Not, not so much. Yeah. Not since, uh, not since Valerie didn't left. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Ian. Well, was that an experience? Did you find the flow at all? I did. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Well, here is our outro music, which is also something that I tend to, you know, most of my um, uh, members, I don't even put headphones on them. They just, they just, you know, they talk to the mic. I mean, it, I, you know, what, what do you expect? You know, mm-hmm. either way. Thank you, Ian. Thank you for having me. There it is. Faders. Faders.